This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 38. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 29. Mostly cloudy Saturday with a slight chance of showers, high near 41. Sunday, cloudy, chance of showers, high near 44. Mostly cloudy Christmas Day, Monday, with a high near 51. Echo Brands Corporation is planning to close its facility in Sydney. The closure is aimed at reducing costs and improving the overall financial performance of the company. The manufacturing and distribution plant is slated to close by the end of 2024. Echo Brands employs approximately 300 employees at the Sydney plant. No exact date has been set for the closure. Echo Brands Corporation, headquartered in Lake Zurich, Illinois, plans to relocate the Sydney plant's manufacturing activities to an external supplier over the next 12 months and transition the distribution function to the company's facility in Boonville, Missouri. The Sydney plant closure is part of Echo Brands Corporation's ongoing global footprint rationalization program. It's a key component of their long-term strategy to simplify operations, reduce costs, and improve overall financial performance. On Thursday, Mayor Cram of Binghamton announced a major court settlement against Isaac Anzarut banning the downstate landlord from owning or managing property in Binghamton for the next 15 years and transferring control of 26 of his properties to the city. Under the court-approved settlement agreement, Anzarud is barred from participating in any real estate business in the city of Binghamton for 15 years, including owning, managing, or operating residential and commercial properties. He will transfer 26 properties to the city of Binghamton, Due to pending judgments and garnishments against Anzarut, the city will retain a fund with the appraised value of the properties, approximately $751,000, after owed taxes, water bills, and other fees, pending any court orders directing the fund's disbursement to creditors. As part of the settlement, Anzarut will drop all active litigation against the city of Binghamton and waive all future claims. The city will dismiss its current criminal prosecutions against him and associated LLCs. Anzarut has owned more than 100 properties across the city under various FCs in recent years, accruing countless housing code violations for the property's poor conditions. Beyond the 26 properties being transferred to the city, all of Anzarut's remaining properties in Binghamton are in court-ordered receivership or pending mortgage or tax foreclosure. A Tioga County company will do the repair work needed on a Binghamton bridge that was damaged by a fire that was set in a homeless encampment. The blaze under the east end of the VFW Memorial Bridge on Bevere Street occurred on December 13th. The intense fire appeared to have caused some melting and warping of the steel structure of the span that crosses the Shenango River. The bridge near Ossinigo Park was closed for several hours after the fire for an inspection. A section remained closed to traffic because of the damage. Some wood beams were put in place to shrub the damaged portion of the bridge. County officials say they will be replaced with steel beams early next month. It's not known when that work will happen. 
A full bridge closure should not be necessary while the repairs are being performed, but a lane diversion may be required. According to the county executive Jason Garner's office, the estimated repair cost is between thirty and thirty-five thousand dollars. New York lawmakers have introduced a bill that would require restaurants and rest stops throughout the state to be open seven days a week. That could potentially force some Chick-fil-A locations along state highways to drop a long-standing policy of closing on Sundays for religious reasons. The bill introduced last week was prompted by a redevelopment project underway on the New York State Thruway Authority's 27 service areas. Lawmaker Tony Simone said the bill is meant to give travelers a variety of food options at rest stops rather than an effort to eventually push Chick-fil-A out. Email and phone messages left for Chick-fil-A spokespeople were not immediately returned. For most Americans dreaming of a white Christmas, this year's prospects aren't good. Although parts of the Rockies and Midwest already have snow or could get a fresh dusting by Monday, other parts of the country that are normally coated in white by this time of year are still sporting their drab late fall look. Among the areas more accustomed to snowy Decembers is the Northeast, where a powerful storm blew in this week and dumped heavy rain on the region's ski areas, wreaking havoc on the snowpack. So where would snow lovers go? Alaska, where Anchorage could break its Christmas Day 1994 record of 30 inches, according to the National Weather Service. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now for Friday, December 22nd, 2023. Phone lines are open 607 We welcome all callers. Everybody is invited to participate in the program. Offer your thoughts about the issues of the day, whether it's local matters, state matters, national matters, or global matters. Go ahead and call 607-772-1290. Topic one, gas prices. How low can they go? It's just remarkable what we've seen with gas prices in the Northeast and across the country lately. And it's encouraging. It's encouraging to have um, lower prices for 
all that gas that we need to do whatever it is we do. And so now uh, gas prices getting desperately close to $3 a gallon. And tis the season to be jolly. Looking at the uh, gas buddy top 10 prices. Uh, there's one place at 305 Another place at 315 whole bunch around 320 329 Prices plunge. And Americans are trying to figure out <laughs> what they'll do. Oh, I don't know. It's so cheap. We, we should buy an SUV or one of those... Giant gas guzzlers, one of those vehicles that gets eight miles to a gallon because gas prices have been dropping. If you think about it over the last, oh, I don't know, 50 years since we came to the harsh realization that gasoline and oil is going to be a problem for this country for the rest of our existence, you would think that there would have been a national effort, a consistent national effort to conserve. Now, certainly great strides have been made in terms of fuel efficiency with the uh, the fleet of cars and trucks in the United States over the last five decades. But so much more could have been done if only there had been the will Let's face it, there has really not been the will to conserve and and to work at coming up with reasonable alternatives to the fossil fuels. Let's say if there was a, a national initiative where everybody pulled together since the 1973 OPEC oil embargo, if everybody had pulled together over the last 50 years, this country could have made tremendous progress. But that was not to be. So opportunities were squandered. And so we lurch from good times to bad times when it comes to, to gasoline prices at the moment. Good times. These are good times. With gas prices around here around $3 a gallon and gas prices elsewhere in the world. Uh, I mean, not elsewhere in the world, elsewhere in the U.S. even lower. We had um, visitors from Florida who were in town a couple days ago and they noted, gee, the gas prices here are quite a bit higher than they are in Florida. Well... Don't blame the oil companies. Don't blame Washington. Blame state taxes. Albany could certainly reduce gas taxes if lawmakers wanted to. I'm not saying they should. No, if anything, they probably should raise gas taxes to discourage unnecessary use. Looking back to 50 years ago today... Sadly, the issues of energy were front and center exactly 50 years ago today. Looking 
at the front page of the Evening Press from December 22, 1973. The headline, House Rejects Senate Energy Bill. Leaders Decide to Delay Action Until Recess Ends. Dateline Washington, Congress abandoned efforts to pass an emergency energy bill today and went ahead with plans to shut down until January 21st. That's what Congress really does best, shutting down for a month. With the House and Senate hopelessly deadlocked over the issue of windfall profits for oil companies, congressional leaders decided to postpone further action until Congress returns from a holiday recess. So the decision left Congress open to a summons from President Nixon to return and act on the energy bill, which he has requested to help him deal with fuel shortages. Congress could also be called back into session before January 21st by its own leaders. Um, At the peak of the balloting on the bill, that would have given President Nixon a free hand to order gasoline rationing. The House suffered its own energy crisis as the electronic voting system broke down. It's 50 years ago today, so you could ask yourself why. Why has no significant progress been made? I mean, some progress has been made. Also on the front page of the newspaper, the Binghamton paper from 50 years ago today, all Air National Guard and Air Reserve training uh, flights have been grounded following diversion of one and a half million barrels of military fuel by the Federal Energy Office. Military sources said the curtailment will last indefinitely. Again, fuel was in short supply in December 1973. In New York, statewide voltage reduction may be felt in the kitchen, but officials say most consumers won't notice the loss of power. The state ordered electric utilities to immediately reduce their voltage output by 3% to help conserve fuel oil. So again, there was an energy crisis 50 years ago, and here we are at the end of 2023, and... The people at the state and federal levels have, um, they've been inconsistent. They've been inconsistent and in getting us through the challenges, energy challenges. And then, of course, you've got people who don't want to move into the future. They find, I don't know if, if they're just afraid of change or maybe they work for the oil companies. I don't know. They're just afraid. They're afraid (laughs) to move forward with other sources of energy before ultimately we're in a big, big crisis. So right now the good times are rolling for Americans with lower price gas. Gas prices have come down over the last several months and maybe that'll continue. Or maybe there will be a crisis that pops up in the next 30 minutes and gas prices will suddenly soar. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of supply and demand and also the fear factor. Let's take a call. It's 920. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's Gary from the west side. I'd like to talk about the Anzaroot decision. But first, I just want to share a little something. You know how... 
when you're in high school, you have your high school friends and stuff, and then you go on through your life, and, you know, you, you lose connection with your high school friends, but then you can find, hey, this guy did that, and this guy did that. Well, one of my favorite uh, Christmas bands, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I uh, didn't realize, but a few years ago, I found out that one of the guys I went to high school with, and he was actually a friend of mine in grade school, Paul O'Neill started that whole thing. And, uh, you know, I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like the rock Christmas. But, uh, you know, it's just amazing to find out that here's someone that you went to school with, and he made this great addition to humanity by giving us music that we can enjoy during Christmas. It was just a good feeling. Unfortunately, he's passed away now, but his music lives, Bob. Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Christmas Cannon is a... Well, where did you go to school with him? In Queens? Nope. He he was born in uh, Queens, and then he moved out to Patchog, and he graduated from Patchog Medford High School in 1975. And we went to St. Francis uh, grade school together for a little while. He was a very shy guy. And, uh, you know, he's always had his guitar with him. He was always smiling. And uh, I wasn't into, like, uh, music that much then. But and but uh, he was very much into it. So, and he made something, a career out of it. He did a, he did a very good job. But anyway. Well, thanks so for bringing I'm, that to my attention. I mean, it's always interesting. And, and I'm just looking at. His uh, entry on Wikipedia now, so I'm, I'm fascinated. Yeah, it doesn't mention Patchogue Medford. No, that, but, but it mentions you know being born in Queens and mm-hmm. his early interest in music, They're including also- yeah, starting uh, a progressive rock band, Slow Burn. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah it's interesting happen, how you know? things how things actually develop over the years. It is, right? So Patchogue was kind of like on the outskirts uh, back then. You know, it was like the, the right on the border of suburbia and rural Long Island, believe it or not. But anyway, and then he moved into the city, right? So the opportunity was there. You move into New York City, man, all the opportunities that you could have, you know, and he took advantage of it, you know? Good for him. Did very well. Now, we were discussing homelessness yesterday, and you know, now this this uh, decision comes down where they're going to be getting houses. And, you know, they're going to tear some of them down. They're going to sell some. And they're going to rehabilitate some. Why not rehabilitate some to make it homes for the homeless? Wouldn't, I mean, that seems like a pretty good idea. If you get these homes for free, I believe they're just given to them, to the cities. Is that what the decision says? Seems to be. I haven't read the yeah. actual decision, but I saw I saw the news reports. I they held the news conference. Unfortunately, the big announcement at City Hall happened while I was here, so I have I'm at a disadvantage because I I wish I could have been at the City Hall news conference when they announced the big settlement. Yeah, yeah, they do that a lot to you. You've got your other things that you got to take care of well so that's, that's okay it's report. it's been see i i had two choices or not two choices i had choices yesterday about stories to report on stories original stories that nobody else did for example pasquale's 
Delhi reopening soon under a new owner and uh, slightly rebranded, but some of the old favorites coming back. And I thought that story would be important to WNBF's audience, so I did that. And then Great also, yeah, also, yeah, the, the sausage remains the same. Sounds like some sort yeah. of hit song from the 70s or an <laughs> album. The sausage remains the same. And then the other story that I did, because I've been curious and I suspect some of our listeners who live in Broome County were wondering how much would it cost to do the repair work at the Bevere Street Bridge that was damaged by the arson fire last week. So um, getting that information out there, the county's current estimate is 30000 to $35,000 for the repairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was an interesting story. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't do my own story i couldn't do justice to the the um announcement regarding isaac anzarut you know although what i will do uh, this is you reach out to him i was just gonna this is what no i didn't but what I, i was about to say what i will do in the because we do we will take a pause for important messages from our supporters um i during the upcoming break, as in less than two minutes or so, I will uh, call him. Now, the last time I called him, which was, I think, at least a month ago, because I was sort of working on this story and some other related stories. Last time I called and left a message, he didn't call back. Usually, usually he calls back. So what I will do, I will call Isaac Anzarut, obviously I wouldn't do it live because that wouldn't be right, but I I would uh, call him in a moment and leave a message. And who knows, now that the settlement has been announced, maybe he'll be in a position to actually talk on the air. I'm going to ask him. Yeah. And if yeah, he, he's not shy. No, he's not. No, and, and actually I've had, I've lost track of the number of conversations I've had with him over the last few years. I've had several. I think only one that was on the air. But um, he, I can't remember. What month was he on the air? It was earlier this year. I want to say last spring, maybe six months ago. We had quite a, I thought it was a, a wide-ranging conversation with him. I think it's the only time he's done an in-depth interview with anyone and live on the radio. So who knows now that the settlement was announced by Mayor Cram. Maybe if I call Isaac Anzaru, he'll want to talk on the air. Since did now, you've probably seen more of the coverage of of the settlement. Did anybody actually get a comment from Isaac Anzaru as part of their coverage? Did you see whether? No, they reached out to uh, Benjamin, right, his lawyer. And, oh yeah. You know, no see, response. I don't want to. I don't want to talk to the. I mean, no. I mean, well, I, let no. me say this: if if Ronald Benjamin's listening, which he probably is, he also is welcome to call in. But my preference, I would prefer to talk with Isaac Anzaru personally live. Who knows? He might still be in town. For all I know, Isaac Anzaru could be in town, and Ronald yeah. Benjamin could be in town they might drive over here and who knows they could be on the air before noon 20 something houses he gave up to the city not to be charged 
that's a lot of houses. And the houses that they're showing on TV, they're big houses. It looks like, you know, there's a lot of apartments in there. There's an opportunity yeah. here for the city. Hopefully they take all advantage right. of that. Bob, I know you got Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. Thank Have you. Have a great time off, Bob. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. So, there. I made I made the official commitment. And coming up, I will call Isaac Anzarut. If he answers, I'll ask him if he would be willing to come on the program. If he doesn't answer, I'll leave a message. It's going to be an interesting program. I can't tell you what's coming up. I mean, I could, but then that would spoil the surprise. So... The best recommendation, four out of five doctors recommend that you listen to Binghamton Now for three hours every day. And the fifth doctor probably doesn't understand the concept of the program. But she would recommend it if she understood the concept. This is Binghamton Now, a Friday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF at 932. Happy Friday to you. Well, oh, I forgot to acknowledge it's happy winter. The new season of WNBF's Binghamton Now is underway. It's new, it's improved, a better listening experience for you and for your family. Many people have enjoyed Binghamton Now over the past 12 and a half years, and of course, we're committed to continuing to bring you the very best in local conversation. This is a community conversation, but it wouldn't be possible without you, the home viewer. So thank you for listening at home or at work or in your car or SUV or wherever. Uh, we are grateful. There are people who listen at 1290 AM, some at 92.1 FM. Some people stream it on WNBF.com online. And then uh, the savvy, the savvy, Techni technologically astute people are uh, using the free WNBF app. However, however, you hear the uh, program, we do thank you. And after um, you know, just another year of uh, fun and frolic and information and enlightenment, uh, hey, thank you so much. I don't say thank you enough. I don't think we ever say thank you enough, but um, hey, 
I could be here for three hours a day talking about anything and everything, but that wouldn't be a very interesting program. It's only an interesting program thanks to the callers and the guests. It's 9.34 on WNBF. Back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, John from Binghamton, uh, uh, Binghamton's rational citizen. Uh, this deal, Bob, uh, that Jared Cram, you know, this, this uh, real estate baron and mayor of the city of Binghamton, uh, is the most insane uh, deal that has ever been reached in the city of Binghamton, and that says a lot. First of all, you got to start out with the premise that anything, anything, abatement, economic development deal, whatever, that uh, diminishes the city's tax base in any way is not a plus for the city. That's number one. What this is, Bob, and it reminds me of a lot, a little bit, of the deal that Bucci constructed, if you remember, there was houses around Thorpe Street in that area. And this quasi-government uh, Wall Street uh, partnership uh, allegedly bought like 30 or 40 properties, 20, I don't know. And they were going to maintain them and they were going to redevelop them and all that nonsense. And, and they stuck, not only Binghamton, but Buffalo, every place else. Uh, they didn't live up to their promises, and the county ended up taking all those properties back. What this is, it's a it's a plain vanilla foreclosure settlement in lieu of full foreclosure in advance of the time frame and everything else. And let's keep in mind that Anzarut uh, was an expert, uh, a world-class performer in uh, taking the foreclosure to the limit and then transferring the properties to another entity ad infinitum. But, Bob, at this point, and first, and, and let's assume, uh, I don't know exactly, I'm not privy to it, no one's privy to it except him. Uh, if you look at the length of time that he's had these properties and what he didn't pay and what he took in, we can safely assume that his cost basis on these properties is zero. Uh, and Cram, of course, the city has to pay the school taxes. But here's the rub. Every municipality in Broome County, most of them, uh, switched their taxes over to the county, handling the payments and such, and thus the county would handle the foreclosures. And this was said at the time when this deal was made with the city of Binghamton, that this would prevent the city of Binghamton from having an inventory of properties which they had to maintain or make some decision on. Uh, the county's out of the loop on this one. This is Cram's uh, real estate portfolio, his, his big adventure uh, Pee Wee Herman style. He's building a real estate portfolio now uh, that the taxpayers are going to be responsible for. So this is another, he's almost out of American rescue funds, but this is, he's going to use this as a wedge between council and say, you know, geez, I got rid of this terrible man, this, the slumlord, and, and now you won't help me out. I need, I need money for this and money for this. This is, this is a screwball government that we have here. And again, I, I'm going to say this. If the city manager form of government is good enough for Ithaca, it's certainly good enough, enough for us. Let us get someone in there with some expertise. Uh, again, Bob, 
Uh, you're talking about tw- uh, 10 square miles, a property tax base of 10 square miles. That property tax base has shrunk considerably, and this is another effort to shrink the tax base and give Cram uh, some photo opportunities, but it is an, on a business deal, on a business basis. This is absolute insanity because because there is no incentive right now for any landlord in the city of Binghamton, uh, particularly people that have had their property for a long time and haven't improved and, and, and know the situation, to do anything at all. This this was a bailout, and I just, I'll, I'll leave it at this, Bob. Never play cards with a guy named Isaac. Huh. I, uh, by the way, thank you, John. I, I have left a message. I have left a message, a voicemail message for Isaac Anzarut. So if he is uh, inclined to contact us and talk about the settlement that was announced less than 24 hours ago by Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram, we will be pleased. We will be pleased to speak with Isaac Anzarut live. By the way, speaking of that, we would be pleased to speak with Jared Cram live. I mean, we're on till noon. I've got all the time in the world. I have two hours and 21 minutes. Well, not all that time because I have plans for some of that time and you'll be interested. Don't touch that dial, kids. Did you ever hear of FOMO, fear of missing out? Don't miss out. Don't miss out on the program of the year. You waited. You came this far. You spent the last 11 and a half months. So don't duck out before noon. And then find out <laughs> at <laughs> 1 o'clock this afternoon. Gee, I actually missed out. I didn't think it was going to be that good. Well, it might be. Or maybe that's just something they say on the radio called a tease. This is Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290. You're welcome to call. Isaac Anzarud is welcome to call. Jared Cram is welcome to call. Everybody on the planet is welcome to call. But please, all 8 billion people, don't attempt to call that number simultaneously. Our cheap phone system can't handle that. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, Good morning, WNBF 943, 17 before the hour for those who are used to the automated stations. Beedoop. Yes, if this were an automated station, I could not say good morning. It's 943 and 3 seconds. Sunny today, 38, partly cloudy tonight, 29, mostly cloudy tomorrow with a slight chance of showers in the afternoon, 41, and cloudy Sunday with a chance of showers early in the day 44 the outlook for Monday mostly cloudy high 51 I'm dreaming 
of a cloudy Monday. Right now, we have officially 20 degrees. That's minus 7 Celsius here at WNBF in the heart of the parlor city. Air quality is good, so Rudolph can do what reindeers do. Scared this morning. He was getting set to leave, and then all... It's like a flock... Is it a flock of turkeys? A gaggle of turkeys? Why... Why are they allowing turkeys to run wild? Why isn't that on Dateline NBC? Turkeys running wild. I don't think I've ever seen that many turkeys running that wild. Speaking of wildlife, I uh, put up the story earlier this week about the uh, my my visit to the um, the wind farm, the Bluestone Wind Farm, and it was fascinating because I got to see pretty close up just how tall those turbines are, and and they're tall. But to get out there in Eastern Broome County, you have to go on some back roads. So the funny thing is, I'm driving out there around the back road to get to the appropriate wind turbines so I could take the appropriate pictures and video in the middle of a snow squall. That's called poor timing, but anyway, I guess it made for a more entertaining video than if it was just blue sky and nothing going on. Middle of a snow squall next to, um, whatever, a 10,000-foot wind turbine. But to get out there, you take this bad road, not bad road, back road, and I'm sitting there, we, we're waiting. We're sitting there waiting because you can't, you can't, on these back roads, you can't just drive on them with impunity. You have to stop and wait. So some chickens and I don't know what else, other wildlife. And apparently, courtesy of NBC, remember they used to uh, be the Peacock Network? Apparently out there... In eastern Broome County, that's where NBC's Peacock now lives, in retirement. Remember when they used to be proud as a Peacock and then some special interest group got bent out of shape because they kept saying proud as a Peacock, so they retired the symbol. So now the the Peacock, I think it looked like the NBC Peacock, is living out there in eastern Broome County. I think on a back road in the town of Sanford, and I'm thinking... I want to take a picture. I want to take a picture or even a video of the um, retired peacock, but I, I didn't have my camera ready. So, but he uh, he looked good for his age. And at least now I know where <laughs> NBC's peacock lives. But who knew? Who knew? I I was looking for Yoko Ono and Sean Ono and um, or Sean Lennon. And uh, instead, I, I found the NBC retired peacock out on a back road in eastern Broome County. That is the beauty of getting out of the newsroom. It's 947. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, Stephen from Endicott, New York. I uh, just wanted to correct your grammar. When you're calling the saying a turban, that's what you wear on your head. Those big fan thingies are called turbines. Turbine. Okay, you can call it a turbine. I'll call it a turbine. You know, when it comes to things like this, when it comes to things like this, I always say, 
No one is happy. Have you ever noticed, Stephen? No one is ever happy. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you why. So I went out there and talked with the people who run the Bluestone Wind Farm. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a simple man. I'm Believe it or not, I'm even more simple than Bill O'Reilly, who purports to be a simple man when, in fact, he's very wealthy. I'm an extremely simple man, so I went out there to find out more about the wind farm because I wanted to see the turbines. So I'm doing a long interview. I think I talked to the guys who run the wind farm out there in Sanford and Windsor, and I'm asking them about the um, the stuff that they put up there, those 26 towers with all the blades, and guess what? They call them turbines. Yeah, that's what they call them. So, you know, what can I tell you? If if I call them turbine, right. if I call them turbines as I used to before I went out there, before I spoke with wind energy professionals, then they think, what a dope! Wasn't he paying attention to our interview? And then you call from Endicott right. and you say, look, I get it. So I'm, you know what? What I understand is, no matter what I do. And this actually has been true from the first the first time I was on the radio. No matter what I do, there's going to be someone who's going to be dissatisfied. Correct. All right. Thanks. Hey, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Yep. Have a safe New Year's. All right. I appreciate your call. <laughs> hey, you say tomato, I say tomato. Right. I used to call, I'm sorry, I used to call them turbines too. And, and maybe some people do. But... If the guys who are running the operation call them turbines, who am I? Who am I to correct them? They've been in the energy energy industry a lot longer than I have, so I'll just say big things on tall poles with wonderful blades made out of various <laughs> interesting materials. I'm telling you, it's fascinating. I love my job. Every day, every day is a new adventure. That's why every day I make it a point to get out of the newsroom and find out something. It's 9.50, 10 minutes before the hour as we continue our live broadcast on a Friday morning. This is Binghamton Now with Bob Joseph. All right, I think the disc got hit by uh, one of the windmill blades from one of those giant turbines. 9.53 at WNBF, station that does not pre-record its local talk show. <laughs> Although probably starting the next time, it'll be pre-recorded. Mama told me <laughs> when I was young Listen closely to what I 
I am a simple man. I admit it. <laughs> I know you're saying. Well, we had that uh, we had that suspicion. Anywho, anywho. Let's see. Oh. So WNBF.com, still one of my uh, all-time favorite websites, as uh, I alluded to earlier, or maybe you heard it on the news, on First News Binghamton with Don Morgan, about Pasquals on Broad Avenue on the east side. Uh, exciting news. In about one month, maybe even a month from today, the place could be reopened won't be precisely the same, but um, Jesus Clark, who has operated the Big Zeus Barbecue on Shenango Street for a bit over two years, he has uh, revealed some exciting plans to turn the lights back on and get things moving again over at Pasquale's Deli on the east side. Now, it'll be called Pasquale's soup and sandwich shop. So they'll have soup and sandwiches and paninis and speedies. I mean, just thinking about it now is making me hungry. So you can check out that story on our website. We uh, had a, an interesting conversation with Mr. Clark and I think it's I think it's going to be good for the east side. Sounds sounds great. We heard from a lot of people who are excited with that news. So more information and some pictures over at WNBF.com. It is Friday morning. My name's Bob Joseph. Program, believe it or not, is called Binghamton Now. But we talk about almost everything, almost anything under the sun, right here on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 38. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 29. Mostly cloudy Saturday with a slight chance of showers, high near 41. Sunday, cloudy, chance of showers, high near 44. Mostly cloudy Christmas Day Monday with a high near 51. Echo Brands Corporation is planning to close its facility in Sydney. The closure is aimed at reducing costs and improving the overall financial performance of the company. The manufacturing and distribution plant is slated to close by the end of 2024. Echo Brands employs approximately 300 employees at the Sydney plant. No exact date has been set for the closure. Echo Brands Corporation, headquartered in Lake Zurich, Illinois, plans to relocate the Sydney plant's manufacturing activities to an external supplier over the next 12 months and transition the distribution function to the company's facility in Boonville, Missouri. The Sydney plant closure is part of Echo Brands Corporation's ongoing global footprint rationalization program. It's a key component of their long-term strategy to simplify operations, reduce costs, and improve overall financial performance. 
On Thursday, Mayor Cram of Binghamton announced a major court settlement against Isaac Anzarut, banning the downstate landlord from owning or managing property in Binghamton for the next 15 years and transferring control of 26 of his properties to the city. Under the court-approved settlement agreement, Anzarut is barred from participating in any real estate business in the city of Binghamton for 15 years, including owning, managing, or operating residential and commercial properties. He will transfer 26 properties to the city of Binghamton. Due to pending judgments and garnishments against Anzarut, the city will retain a fund with the appraised value of the properties, approximately $751,000, after owed taxes, water bills, and other fees, pending any court orders directing the fund's disbursement to creditors. As part of the settlement, Anzarut will drop all active litigation against the city of Binghamton and waive all future claims. The city will dismiss its current criminal prosecutions against him and associated LLCs. Anzarut has owned more than 100 properties across the city under various FCs in recent years, accruing countless housing code violations for the property's poor conditions. Beyond the 26 properties being transferred to the city, all of Anzarut's remaining properties in Binghamton are in court-ordered receivership or pending mortgage or tax foreclosure. A Tioga County company will do the repair work needed on a Binghamton bridge that was damaged by a fire that was sent in a homeless encampment. The blaze under the east end of the VFW Memorial Bridge on Bevere Street occurred on December 13th. The intense fire appeared to have caused some melting and warping of the steel structure of the span that crosses the Shenango River. The bridge near Otsenego Park was closed for several hours after the fire for an inspection. A section remained closed to traffic because of the damage. Some wood beams were put in place to shore up the damaged portion of the bridge. County officials say they will be replaced with steel beams early next month. It's not known when that work will happen. A full bridge closure should not be necessary while the repairs are being performed, but a lane diversion may be required. According to the county executive Jason Garner's office, the estimated repair cost is between thirty and thirty-five thousand dollars. New York lawmakers have introduced a bill that would require restaurants and rest stops throughout the state to be open seven days a week. That could potentially force some Chick-fil-A locations along state highways to drop a long-standing policy of closing on Sundays for religious reasons. The bill introduced last week was prompted by a redevelopment project underway on the New York State Thruway Authority's 27 service areas. Lawmaker Tony Simone said the bill is meant to give travelers a variety of food options at rest stops rather than an effort to eventually push Chick-fil-A out. Email and phone messages left for Chick-fil-A spokespeople were not immediately returned. For most Americans dreaming of a white Christmas... This year's prospects aren't good. Although parts of the Rockies and Midwest already have snow or could get a fresh dusting by Monday, other parts of the country that are normally coated in white by this time of year are still sporting their drab late fall look. Among the areas more accustomed to snowy Decembers is the Northeast, where a powerful storm blew in this week and dumped heavy rain on the region's ski areas, wreaking havoc on the snowpack. So where would snow lovers go? Alaska, where Anchorage could break its Christmas Day 1994 record of 30 inches, according to the National Weather Service.
That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph, the most powerful name in this particular studio on Court Street in downtown Binghamton at the moment. So there. now with Bob Joseph watching out for your money. Thank you so much, Maria. We need CNBC and their squawk heads. Anyway, uh, we just have a statement in from uh, the White House. President Biden has now released a statement about uh, the money and inflation. So here we go again. For those who haven't been paying attention, um, the good times are rolling, according to the Biden White House. This statement has been released just uh, in the last few minutes. Today marks a significant milestone with inflation over the last six months at the pre-pandemic level of 2%. Americans have seen their income grow by 3.7% over the last year after adjusting for inflation. As we head into the holidays, prices are down from a year ago on important items including a gallon of gas, a gallon of milk, toys, appliances, electronics, car rentals, and airline fares. A year ago, most forecasters predicted it would require a spike in joblessness and a slowdown to get inflation down. And now I'm going to quote verbatim from the president's statement. This is a quote from Joe Biden released in the last few minutes. Quote, I never believed that. Again, Putting on my Leslie Stahl hat. I never believe that. And one more time for emphasis. <laughs> I never believe that. I never gave up on the hard work, grit, and resilience of millions of Americans. And today, six-month inflation has come down to the pre-pandemic level. The unemployment rate has stayed below 4% for 22 months in a row. And wages, wealth, and the share of working-age Americans with jobs are higher now than they were before the pandemic began. This reflects the hard work we did together to fix our supply chains and the surge of Americans into the workforce. He says, this is not me. I'm not saying this. This is President Biden. It's remarkable progress. And if you need the uh, complete statement from the White House, it's available online right now for those who need it. Or those who want it. There you go. That flash, apparently official. So, sort of a holiday gift. Lower prices, 
inflation apparently under control, and gas prices. I mean, you can afford to go not just to grandmother's house, but to everybody's house over the next couple of weeks. With gas prices now zooming closer and closer to $3 a gallon. Yipes. And don't kid yourself. I'm not suggesting for a moment the gas prices have anything to do with Joe Biden. He didn't do that. You did it, America. Oh, and the world and supply and demand. You did it. Ten fourteen. Bob Joseph live on Binghamton now from the Golf Auto Studios. This is WNBF News Radio AM twelve ninety. Also available at ninety two point one FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. It's the holiday season, and according to the TV networks, people will be traveling. That's what I like about the holiday season, whether it's the couple of days before Christmas or Thanksgiving or the 4th of July or Labor Day or Memorial Day. The TV networks do insightful live reporting about people traveling on the highways and byways of America. Some of the best reporting ever. We're joined now by Patrick DeHaan, GasBuddy.com, one of the uh, foremost experts on the global petroleum market. Mr. DeHaan, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Well, it's been several months since we've had the pleasure to speak with you. In the uh, intervening time, one thing I've noticed around here in the Binghamton area and across most of the U.S., gasoline prices have been declining. What's going on? Yeah, we've uh, we've gotten the seasonality uh, helping to lower prices here. Americans simply not driving as much in the cooler weather. We've also made the transition back to cheaper winter gasoline. And for about seven straight weeks, the price of oil had dipped. Uh, that was until uh, Federal Reserve comments last week that offered a glimmer of hope that interest rates could start uh, declining next uh, next year. And uh, certainly with what's happening in the Red Sea with the uh, the attacks on, on merchant vessels, uh, we have seen the price of oil bouncing back up. But we'll concentrate on the good news, and that, and that is that gas prices have continued to ease up uh, in recent weeks here approaching the holidays. The statewide average now down to about 335. Uh, while it is a little bit more in Binghamton, uh, most stations in the 340s, it looks like there's still a couple stations below that. Oh, yeah. There's one station that that always seems to be leading the way on Front Street just outside the city of Binghamton. Right now they're at 305. It's been basically steady at 305 at that station, I think, for the last uh, 10 days or so. I was I was secretly hoping, because we scheduled this interview for the, the final day of, uh, of the week before the holiday break, I was secretly hoping that they would lower their price to $3 today so I could have a nice visual to go with a story on our website. But, um, they're so far, they're hanging in there at 305. Who knows? They might, maybe at 1230 after I get done, maybe they'll reduce the price by a nickel just to accommodate me. There you go. It'll be the Christmas miracle. You know, a lot of Americans <laughs> are seeing those prices this morning. So it would just be the, the best thing ever that, you know, if somebody tuned in and, and gave them a hat tip that, uh, that, you know, you're talking about potentially 299 prices, uh, maybe they'll give you, uh, you know, your wish. 
Okay. Miracle on Front Street, we would call it. That would be my headline. Miracle on Front Street. There, there you go, you know, and, and you know, and, and while we're talking about it, you know, to segue into uh, uh, more good news is that I'm hopeful that 2024, which is just around the corner now, um, will feature uh, lower annual prices than, than this past year. Now, before people get too excited, I, I will say that doesn't mean that prices are just going to stop moving. Uh, we will see prices jumping in the spring, as they tend to do. And I know there's a big election coming up next fall, and that's, you know, that's an event, but gas prices will decline next fall as well. So let's let's leave that prediction. Uh, but by and large, I think 2024 is going to be more futile, uh, affordable to fill your tank up. So given what's happening right now as we close out 2023, are you particularly su- surprised? I mean, here we, we have two very significant uh, conflicts going on, the uh, – Ukraine war continues. The trouble is continu- continuing in the Middle East, and yet at this moment in time, uh, global prices have have been trending downward, despite uh, some situations that one might have thought would have uh, had prices going in the other direction. Well, you know, it just goes to show that um, you know every situation is different. And the way that these potential, you know, geopolitical snags impact prices are are very different. And you really have to delve into the importance of countries when it comes to the the global balance of supply and demand. And and from that perspective, you know, it's awful, the humanitarian crisis happening there. Uh, But from a perspective of petroleum, this is not a region of the world that has major influence on the supply or the consumption of, of oil. Um, there could be ripple effects, as I mentioned, the Red Sea now, which is part of this, the Houthi rebels uh, going after merchant vessels that are sailing through the Red Sea, uh, some of those being uh, oil carriers. That is a potential impact. Um, BP uh, announcing uh, earlier this week, or I think it's late last week at this point, that they were going to uh, move shipments that were running through the Red Sea. Now, this is a, a you know, kind of the collateral of this of this violence is that it's spilling over into other regions that's the wild card here um but you know particularly the land being impacted by hamas's attacks on israel is not a critical uh piece of of oil production or consumption in this case so it has not had much of an impact one thing that I always enjoy doing is looking back on history. You know, this country has a very interesting history when it comes to energy, um, you know, good times, bad times, and in-between times. But one thing that I noticed about 50 years ago, this country was dealing with a, a very serious energy crisis. At the end of 1973 and going into 1974, things weren't good. Richard Milhouse yeah. Nixon uh, signed legislation enacting a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. I cannot imagine any U.S. president these days getting away with that sort of thing. Um, then there was, uh, as I recall, odd-even gas sales and gas lines and people running out of gas before they could get to a pump. Mm-hmm. So those were bad times. And you one would have thought, and I mentioned this earlier in the program, one would have thought because of what the nation experienced half a century ago that perhaps the country would have gotten serious about developing uh, a consistent energy policy to 
move away from uh, vehicles that are not fuel efficient. Seems like every time gas prices go down a bit, SUV sales and big truck sales go up. I mean, what's going on with America? Don't we pay attention to what's going on? Well, you, you look at America, right, and the culture has continued to evolve that bigger is better. You know, bigger houses, bigger cars, bigger everything, a bigger retirement account, I suppose bigger bank accounts, although maybe not everyone. Um, and, and, and so, you know, to your point, vehicles have gotten bigger, but they have also gotten much more fuel efficient uh, than, than, you know, the, what, 10 or 15 miles a gallon that you used to get maybe in the 70s now is replaced by 25 and 35, uh, 25 to 30 mile a gallon vehicles with the exception of pickup trucks, which have been, you know, certainly much more popular now than they ever used to be. So, you know, to, to your point, and, and as we stand here um, or sit here, uh, the transition to EVs is evolving. We've basically just been trading energy sources. I don't know if any one of them are, you know, drastically more efficient, right? There haven't been a whole lot of breakthroughs, although nuclear energy, right, has really uh, come into play now with powering EVs. And that's something that was certainly uh, became much more popular back in the 70s at the height of these energy crises. Um, uh, but we haven't necessarily, to your point, learned a lot, right? We're still a lot of uh, vehicles on the road today are internal combustion. And now politicians want to move all the, the eggs in the basket from internal combustion over to EVs. So, you know, I, I think the real reality here, Bob, is that, you know, we and if anything, Russia's invasion of Ukraine taught Europe to not put all your eggs in one basket because Europe has become much more reliant on Russian energy. And now we could be making the same mistake going to EVs, right? What if something, you know, there could be a breakthrough there. But again, all the eggs in one basket is not always the most, the, the best approach when it comes to security because you're becoming 100% reliant on one thing. And that one thing, when you find, you know, a deficiency, it becomes problematic. So this is always the, the best part of our conversation, prediction time. <laughs> and remember, you're not under uh, oath. I hope that- you would have- previous prediction queued up for this because I think <laughs> I think this is our annual Christmas, you know, what does the next year look like? And I don't remember what I said last year, um, but I, I hope I was somewhat accurate and and make make a note here. Let's let's record this one and play it back so we can see what went wrong and what went right. Okay, we will. And and to be honest with you, I I should have I should have done my my research and and had uh, last year's December prediction ready to roll. And I I admit I fumbled the ball, but we won't make that mistake again next year. So here we are, uh, as we've mentioned. Uh, the one place in Binghamton or just outside the city has a posted price of 305 a gallon. I believe that's a cash price for regular. Many of the other stations around here are 335, maybe 349 in that range as we wrap up 2023. So using the Patrick DeHaan crystal ball, what do you think? First, let's, let's say First, for July 4th, because that's a big driving holiday, what what would you guess the July 4th average gas price in the Binghamton market might be? Oh, boy, you're really going to nail me down to holidays now, not just generality. <laughs> um, boy, um, well, and, and because I, I, I prefer, I'll give you a statewide average, because local areas, you know, there can be hot spots. Um, and, and going on record, Binghamton today is about 15 cents above that state average of 335. I'm going to guess by July 4, hopefully just south of, of $4 and not above it. 
Um, I'll, I'll give you a ballpark in Binghamton of 385 to 415, let's say. So there is a possibility we'll be back over $4 by July for him. Hopefully we'll avoid it. And we can see what goes right and wrong. All right. And finally, say the final week of December, say around December 20th or December 22nd next year, what what would you expect, barring no calamities, which it's difficult to, to think 2024 yeah. will have no calamities, but... Well, let, let, let's say that by this time next year, maybe on the same date a year from now, we'll be talking about a couple of your stations did go back below that $3 gallon mark. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. Next year, I'll also do better by probably having having this segment queued up so we can actually uh, have a either give you a, a, a pat on the back or say, wow. Wow, you didn't say or anything. Say, what in the heck were you thinking? Exactly. Right? And, and, and by the way, two other things on record, too. I know it's an election year. I'm going to make a prediction that prices go down next fall. I think you're right. I think that's a safe bet. Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com and uh, a regular contributor to our program here. Thank you so much. Wish you the best over the holidays and certainly a happy, healthy new year. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you. Heard it live. Predictions. Predictions from Patrick DeHaan. 1029 at News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Live on a Friday morning, you're listening to Binghamton Now. We live in interesting times. And the times are going to get more interesting in January at Binghamton City Hall as uh, Democrats take control of City Council. And joining us now to talk about what's going on in the studio, we have Rebecca Rathmel and Robert Cavanaugh. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. So do you think it's true? We live in interesting times? Uh, absolutely. I, I think there's an old proverb that uh, applies to that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Robert Kavanaugh, you had the pleasure of running for city council, but you were unopposed. Uh, it's true. Yeah. I was unopposed, and uh, I'm uh, uh, still grateful for all the folks uh, from the 3rd District that came out and, uh, and turned out and voted for me. Uh, so I appreciate that, and I'm... Overall, looking forward to uh, serving on city council, but uh, we do have a, a slight wrinkle to get things started here. Yes, third district is settled. Um, the sixth district on the south side, uh, not quite so much. And so, okay. Rebecca Rathmel, tell me, first of all, I can't even begin to imagine what the last several weeks have been like because ultimately the race between you and uh, the incumbent Republican, Philip Strawn, it wound up as a tie. Right. I mean, all campaign planning typically looks at that election date. And then you consider you'll have the election results and you can move forward with planning. So we have been in limbo for several weeks. Uh, we anticipated a change with the hand recount after Thanksgiving, but it still produced a tie. And so now we have this interesting situation where Mayor Jared Graham says, 
Okay, it's a tie, and I consulted with legal experts who say it's up to the mayor to appoint someone to represent this district, and then Democrats have their own legal guidance, and the Democrats who will be seated on city council in January are planning to make their own appointment. So. Obviously, the average person in Binghamton might be a little confused at this point. Sure. Mayor Cram announced on December 1st that he would be pursuing legal counsel regarding uh, a discrepancy that he represented within statute and local, the state statute and local statutes. Um, so we, in response, also pursued legal counsel. And at this point, the two, two perspectives are at odds. Yes, so I think uh, from the perspective of the city council uh, elected, we are asking the question of uh, that there is a this conflict between uh, the second class cities law, which the mayor is relying on, and our local uh, city charter. And from election day, from the board of elections, uh, the message was pretty clear that local law should uh, control, and that's kind of what we were operating on. And the mayor had what I think is a you know legitimate question: uh, Does Second City's law apply in this very uh, kind of carved out case because in every other vacancy that city council has had over the decades, it's been filled by city council. And uh, the local law is kind of a blanket vacancy filling uh, mechanism. And then if you fall back onto that old Second City's law, there is a uh, this carve out. And so we have I, we have a legitimate question about which should control. The mayor uh, went to Corporation Council. Corporation Council talked, and the mayor talked to the New York Conference of Mayors, um, and got a certain point of view. Um, they chose to not pursue other avenues, such as going to the Attorney General's office for an opinion, which. Uh, uh, has yielded opinions uh, in similar situations in the past. Um, so I don't think that the legal delving on the city's part was as thorough as it could have been. And so city council uh, is kind of forced by the structure of things to take this approach in order to get the question adjudicated in front of a judge and say, what is the right answer here? Yeah, and so that's what it comes down to. I mean, ultimately, a judge eventually is going to have to decide. He would, yeah, a judge would need to. I mean, we uh, we know that the state board of elections uh, informed the county board of elections that it would typically be local city council. Every legal precedent, as Rob stated, has demonstrated that city council moves to fill those vacancies. So it's difficult to understand why that would be challenged in pursuit of the mayor appointing specifically when there is again on top of all of that additional legal opinion that that identifies local law superseding so what is going to happen well january 1st aren't aren't new council members supposed to be sworn in january 1st Yes, so uh, the new sitting council, uh, the elects, will be sworn in on January 1st. And what we've represented is upon being sworn in at the first opportunity for official business, that city council will appoint myself to represent the 6th District. So, Rebecca Rathmel, at least initially when the other members of council, the 6th Districts that are decided are sworn in, you're not going to be sworn in at that time. No, and that wouldn't be typical in a vacancy. So the appointment would need to happen in an official business meeting. 
Yes, in our uh, uh, in our press release from from the electeds yesterday, uh, we, we uh, you know we put forth our our intent to uh, proceed with what our interpretation of of the uh, city charter and use our uh, uh, authority to appoint uh, Rebecca. Um, that's where we're at. <laughs> so, since the election, I know Mayor Graham has been meeting at least with some of the incoming council members. Um, Rob, I take it he did meet with you. I he's met with all of the the incoming electeds. Right. So yes, we've all had uh, uh, nice hour long plus meetings with him yeah. uh, to discuss various topics. So. Rebecca, has he met with you? He has not reached out, no. Are you disappointed in that? Or or given the fact that it's been sort of legal, from a legal standpoint, up in the air, are you not surprised that, that he hasn't met with you? I'm not sure I'm surprised. I mean, Mayor Cram and I go back about a decade, over a decade, in terms of working on local, me advocating for increased investment when it comes to affordable housing and representing local homelessness issues. Um, so he has my cell, uh, but again, no, has not reached out. But I sense, at a minimum, disappointment. So, mm, no, I no. think, I mean, the last time that I had a conversation with the mayor's office, that they were reaching out about a particular homelessness issue and... Uh, and I represent it that until they are willing to move and actually take action against issues locally, that I'm not interested in continuing to just funnel information and data. And um, so we've not seen the action, and he's not reached out since. So has that been a decidedly different relationship than what you had with his predecessor, with Mayor David? Or was it no, very I similar? I mean, it, obviously, Jared Graham was was executive assistant or deputy mayor uh, for all the eight years right. with with uh, Richard David. Yeah, Jared. Jared was a part of every conversation I had with Rich. It was Jared who reached out to ask if I would participate in the Mayor's Commission to End Veteran Homelessness. Um, it was Jared who I would have coffee with and talk through about all of the increases that we're seeing in homelessness locally. So there's not a piece of data that I. Uh, that he didn't have that was also shared with Rich, that was also shared with previous city council members. Um, however, again, not seeing any action on the proposals that I put forward over a decade, um, not being concerned or demonstrating concern about the significant increases that we've seen in homelessness. That, I would say, Bob, is what I've been disappointed in. Um, otherwise, no disappointment or surprise per se that he's not reached out. It's no question that I've spoken out against him and the prior administration and their their lack of interest and uh, disproportionate investment. And at some point in the future, hopefully in January, regardless of how the legal things play out with respect to city council, I'd like to invite you back on the program to talk specifically about homelessness because as most of our listeners can certainly see based on their own eyes what's going on in Binghamton and around Broome and Tioga counties the problem definitely appears to be getting much worse than it was say two or three years ago. It absolutely is we've seen over a 70% increase in fact in the number of families who accessed emergency shelter last year compared to uh, the year before so and I think most of us ran on representation ensuring that every resident is represented in city decisions not just those who can benefit or those who profit. Speaking with Rebecca Rathmel, 
who uh, was the Democratic candidate in Binghamton's 6th City Council District. And um, her race against the Republican incumbent, Philip Strawn, wound up in a tie. So that situation remains unresolved. Also, uh, Robert Kavanaugh, who ran unopposed for the 3rd District. Now, Mr. Kavanaugh, in terms of having... Uh, a chance to chat for about an hour or so with with Mayor Cram. What were were some of your your thoughts following the the session? Where I'm I'm guessing you and the mayor were able to talk about some of the most important issues facing Binghamton. Um, my meeting with the mayor, uh, we we dug into a lot of uh, uh, neighborhood issues, uh, some specific uh, third district. Uh, concerns over uh, infrastructure and uh, a lot of uh, basics of city government, uh, code enforcement and such. Um, We also discussed uh, uh, some of his uh, economic development uh, plans. Uh, The the Boscov's uh, plan was was fairly new at that point, so there was a a topic of back and forth and uh, discussions for, you know, downtown development. Uh, So that's what we focused on in our meeting. Um, and then uh, this sort of legal question was not as a, a uh, not as uh, high on the list at that time was not as prominent. <laughs> so, well, and and ultimately, since uh, I'll say I'm not surprised that with a tie that the mayor would ultimately take hit this position, and then that city Democrats would take the right. position and you're taking. I think I hate to say some things are somewhat predictable, but I think it is in generally somewhat predictable that we're at this point on December twenty second. I think that's I think that's fair. I mean certainly from a political perspective, uh, he did lose the rest of city council. I mean they've operated in a majority situation, him in the executive office and then majority in the legislative. I think one thing that we've been clear about is that this city council moving in is no longer just going to approve any ordinance or resolution that he proposes. We intend to be active, we intend to be engaged, and we intend to ask good questions and want the details from any proposal that is submitted. Um, He, in his threads with many uh, city council elects, has noted that he expects things to still go through his office. We intend to use the planning commissions and the and the committees, and and we want that actual accountability, transparency, and representation. So it's understandable that he would want to continue to maintain some sort of control with at least one person in but city council. In the grand scheme of things, and the next time we have a chance to speak with Mayor Cram on the program, I would ask him, Directly in the grand scheme of things, is it likely to make a very big difference whether he is faced with a city council that has six Democrats and one Republican or seven Democrats and no Republicans? Well, I I think whatever the practical effects end up being, um, it's a matter of a question of this is the law, this is how is it laid out, this is how it should proceed. It's a legal question and it's about city council standing up and and basically you know uh asserting its purview its its authority and and having that respected by by the executive branch um and it also exposes questions of how legal situations will be treated in the future in 
a, a government that's going to have more differences of opinion, let's say, than it's had in the last decade or so. And that's something that we, city council, will be examining as well. And so do you think that's a good thing, then, for city residents? I think it's going to lead to uh, more transparent government, more accountable government, and more responsive government. Um, I, I think one thing that we kind of heard universally knocking on doors is that a lot of residents feel they, they shout into a void uh, when, they're, when they're communicating with the city sometimes. And we want to make sure that that's not the case and that they have a forum uh, in their city council to, uh, to be heard and to have their concerns addressed. There's a reason checks and balances exist within government, and we're committed to that. And we do ultimately think that, uh, that this will have a good impact for city residents and are willing to work with the mayor. But we'll see how it plays out. Rebecca Rathmel, Robert Cavanaugh, thanks for being with us. And we will continue to follow developments at City Hall and throughout our great city in the coming months. Thanks, thanks Bob. Tom. And have a happy holiday. Thank you. Sten 49, we're live and local, Binghamton Now, on WNBF. WNBF Binghamton now. Smiling faces sometimes pretend to be your friend. Smiling faces show no traces of the evil that lurks within. Smiling faces, smiling faces sometimes. They don't tell. 10.53, let's head out to the Mountain Time Zone, Centennial, Colorado. Good morning, Bill. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are things? Oh, pretty good. Bright and sunny, no clouds. It's about 40 degrees. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the gas prices. Uh, so, well, let's start out. Uh, back when President Biden took office, uh, gas was a dollar seventy-two, and then two days after Biden took office, it jumped ninety cents a gallon at the gas station I was getting it at, at so in Englewood. But uh, <clears throat> I did some figuring, and I spent if the gas stayed at that price, I would have spent twenty-two hundred dollars less in these past three or so years that that Biden's been in office. Um, that's the difference in the gas, but I travel a lot. Uh, but anyway, so right now at the gas station across the street, regular is $2.39. Um, a couple of weeks ago, down the street a little bit, the gas at the 7 Eleven was $1.92. So, uh, but, but it's, it's weird because, like, the gas prices, uh, Across the street, it went up like 60 cents a gallon the other day, but now it went down 40 cents a gallon. And uh, there's a couple of gas stations here that seem to be a price war. They they follow each other, but there's a couple other gas stations. They're pretty pretty constant. And I believe the uh, 
Let's see. It's the Circle K that's right down the street. I think gas is two seventy nine today. Right. So out so, there, out there, who who seems to have the highest prices on average? Is there? Uh, have you noticed or? Well, in this area, the Conoco seems to have the highest prices. There's a Murphy's which was at two thirty nine. Uh, I go down. I like to get the Supreme gas, and the Supreme gas down at the at the quick uh, quick trip is. Uh, last time I got it, it was two seventy nine for the uh, ethanol free. So that's like that's like their most expensive grade. Uh, I think last time I was there, like two nights ago, I think it was two nineteen a gallon for the regular. So, but I mean, that's if, if you if you go ten minutes away around the corner or whatever, you'll find a whole different pricing scheme. Um, but this is where I am, so this is where I get the gas. It is, uh, so, Colorado's gas tax, so people know uh, the state gas tax in Colorado is twenty two cents a gallon. Uh, in New York, it's according to this chart. 25 cents a gallon. I don't know if that's accurate. For some reason, I thought it was higher. In Pennsylvania, 57 cents a gallon. So gas, uh, state gas taxes also have some impact on, on the prices people are paying. The other thing, too, as and many of our listeners point out frequently, uh, many stations here in the Binghamton market seem to have uh, just on average um, higher prices than if you go just a few miles away, say sometimes 15 or 20 or 30 miles away outside Binghamton, you can sometimes find gas in, in Owego or Syracuse or Cortland for um, significantly cheaper. And nobody ever wants to come on the air to explain how they calculate the prices. I know it's complicated. Sometimes it's, it includes things like property taxes at certain locations or the volume they do at a particular station. But um, it's always generally a mystery, whether it's a small company or a large company. For some reason, they they don't want to share their magical pricing formula. Right. Well, I know because I, I go – I travel from Denver – to uh, like to Charlotte, and I come up to New York. I'm I'm from Binghamton, uh, but I also always when I come up to New York, right before I hit the Pennsylvania, uh, or the Maryland border, the southern border of Pennsylvania, I try to fill up my gas there, so I I don't have to buy much gas in Pennsylvania or New York. Yeah, because, it, well, yeah. it pays to shop around if you have that ability, and yeah. many people do. Uh, you know, you you pay attention to basic price trends so if you see a place that for example if if i go to a wego these days typically i'll i'll make sure that that i i fill up in a wego as opposed to binghamton because over the last couple of months there have been some some big price differences bill i appreciate your calling in from centennial hope you have a great weekend uh, thank you too merry christmas merry christmas and that is the report from Centennial, Colorado, making contemporary news. Another big hour coming right up. Don't touch that dial. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Are you ready to? This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. 
where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 38. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 29. Mostly cloudy Saturday with a slight chance of showers, high near 41. Sunday, cloudy, chance of showers, high near 44. Mostly cloudy Christmas Day Monday with a high near 51. Echo Brands Corporation is planning to close its facility in Sydney. The closure is aimed at reducing costs and improving the overall financial performance of the company. The manufacturing and distribution plant is slated to close by the end of 2024. Echo Brands employs approximately 300 employees at the Sydney plant. No exact date has been set for the closure. Echo Brands Corporation, headquartered in Lake Zurich, Illinois, plans to relocate the Sydney plant's manufacturing activities to an external supplier over the next 12 months and transition the distribution function to the company's facility in Boonville, Missouri. The Sydney plant closure is part of Echo Brands Corporation's ongoing global footprint rationalization, rationalization program. It's a key component of their long-term strategy to simplify operations, reduce costs, and improve overall financial performance. On Thursday, Mayor Cram of Binghamton announced a major court settlement against Isaac Anzarut banning the downstate landlord from owning or managing property in Binghamton for the next 15 years and transferring control of 26 of his properties to the city. Under the court-approved settlement agreement, Anzarud is barred from participating in any real estate business in the city of Binghamton for 15 years, including owning, managing, or operating residential and commercial properties. He will transfer 26 properties to the city of Binghamton, Due to pending judgments and garnishments against Anzarut, the city will retain a fund with the appraised value of the properties, approximately $751,000, after owed taxes, water bills, and other fees, pending any court orders directing the fund's disbursement to creditors. As part of the settlement, Anzarut will drop all active litigation against the city of Binghamton and waive all future claims. The city will dismiss its current criminal prosecutions against him and associated LLCs. Anzaru has owned more than 100 properties across the city under various FCs in recent years, accruing countless housing code violations for the property's poor conditions. Beyond the 26 properties being transferred to the city, all of Anzaru's remaining properties in Binghamton are in court-ordered receivership or pending mortgage or tax foreclosure. A Tioga County company will do the repair work needed on a Binghamton bridge that was damaged by a fire that was set in a homeless encampment. The blaze under the east end of the VFW Memorial Bridge on Bevere Street occurred on December 13th. The intense fire appeared to have caused some melting and warping of the steel structure of the span that crosses the Shenango River. The bridge near Osinigo Park was closed for several hours after the fire for an inspection. A section remained closed to traffic because of the damage. Some wood beams were put in place to shore up the damaged portion of the bridge. County officials say they will be replaced with steel beams early next month. It's not known when that work will happen. A full bridge closure should not be necessary while the repairs are being performed, but a lane diversion may be required. 
According to the county executive Jason Garner's office, the estimated repair cost is between thirty and thirty-five thousand dollars. New York lawmakers have introduced a bill that would require restaurants and rest stops throughout the state to be open seven days a week. That could potentially force some Chick-fil-A locations along state highways to drop a long-standing policy of closing on Sundays for religious reasons. The bill introduced last week was prompted by a redevelopment project underway on the New York State Thruway Authority's 27 service areas. Lawmaker Tony Simone said the bill is meant to give travelers a variety of food options at rest stops rather than an effort to eventually push Chick-fil-A out. Email and phone messages left for Chick-fil-A spokespeople were not immediately returned. For most Americans dreaming of a white Christmas, this year's prospects aren't good. Although parts of the Rockies and Midwest already have snow where it could get a fresh dusting by Monday, other parts of the country that are normally coated in white by this time of year are still sporting their drab late fall look. Among the areas more accustomed to snowy Decembers is the northeast, where a powerful storm blew in this week and dumped heavy rain on the region's ski areas, wreaking havoc on the snowpack. So where would snow lovers go? Alaska, where Anchorage could break its Christmas Day 1994 record of 30 inches, according to the National Weather Service. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. On your Friday morning, it is the first morning of winter. Enjoy. Embrace. The refreshing, crisp air. 607. 672-1290 is the number. If you'd like to speak on Binghamton Now, News Radio 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vestal. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I'm just listening to your uh, your newscast there. did I hear it right? That bill for the restaurants is designed to push Chick-fil-A out? Is that right? No, it's not. It's designed to give people who stop at the rest areas on the New York Thruway uh, plenty of food options. So the, the point is, if somebody wants to operate a restaurant at Thruway rest areas in New York State, they are to operate seven days a week instead of just operating whenever they want. So, say if you're traveling and you stop at a rest area along the thruway and you're hungry for something other than what's being offered, then you can get a chicken sandwich if you want one. It's not going to push them out. No. If anything, it's going to increase their business. They'll probably 
increase their business by 10 to 50 percent if they're open seven days a week. Yeah, but the, the legislature, they, they know that Chick-fil-A isn't interested in increasing their profits, especially when, for religious reasons, by we all know Chick-fil-A, that's their thing. They're closed on Sundays. If, if I was Chick-fil-A, I'd say, you know, i tell them to, you know, go pound salt, pull right out of New York State. There goes jobs. There goes unhappy public. There goes everything. Uh, I don't know the people who run the Chick-fil-A personally, but from what I've read, they like to make a lot of money. In fact, they have, when it comes to the art of the fast food, they have come up with the perfect recipe to make a lot of money. So if ultimately, if they don't like to make as much money, they could close all their locations in New York State and focus their operations elsewhere in the United States. I think it would be their loss, but they're, they certainly would be entitled to do that if they don't think making extra millions of dollars from hungry New Yorkers is, is something they want to do. Well, we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens because this sets up an, a very interesting quandary. You know, uh, there there once was a business here in Broome County, and uh, it was called a, a supermarket business. And for decades and decades and decades, they never opened their stores on Sundays. And then suddenly, at one point, they did. So you never know. We never can foresee the future. So, you know, that beloved restaurant chain that did mighty well for the first few decades of his, its existence in Broome County, ultimately they decided to open on Sundays. So, you know, I don't, I am certainly not speaking for the Chick-fil-A empire, nor would I ever, you know, that I'm not a spokesperson for, for any business. I'm just a spokesperson for Binghamton now. But, uh, yeah, they, if, if the legislation gets passed and then signed by Governor Hochul, they will have an interesting decision to make. And if they decide to pull out and if they stick to their guns, that means you're wrong about making more money. That's more well, important. Yeah, I, it's just my impression. No, I'm, I know they like making money. I didn't say what's more important to them. I'm not, I'm not in a position to know what's most important to the people at Chick fil A. In Georgia, I know they like making money. That's all. That's the only thing I know. I also am aware that since they started the operation, they never opened on Sunday. So those are two things I know. So going forward, it, it'll be fascinating. I'm not predicting the outcome. They they could choose. All I I pointed out a local case where for the longest time people told me, Bob, they will never ever ever open on Sunday. And I believed it. And then one Sunday they were open. And they always were open until they um, went out of business. One other option, Bob, they could uh, they could go to court and, and get an exemption, too, for because of their religious beliefs. And, and they can be the only one that's not open on Sunday. That's possible, too. Anything's possible, you know, and, and they have the money. They can, they can afford the best lawyers. So in, in this country, see, if it was a case involving me, I would have no ability to really appeal because I couldn't afford good lawyers to go up against the state attorney general's office. But Chick-fil-A, 
They make huge, huge stacks of money every day, big, thick stacks of cash that they make selling their delightful and much envied chicken sandwiches. So some of that chicken sandwich cash could go to a legal challenge against the New York State Attorney General's office. That's assuming the law gets passed. By the way, I'm not assuming that the legislature will pass this. And even if the legislature does pass it, I'm not assuming Kathy Hochul will sign it. So it's, you know, it's probably, as they would say at church, it's probably a leap of faith to think that Chick-fil-A is even going to face such a predicament. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. About well, we will wait right and there. see. We'll you know, and, and <laughs> I'll tell you what. I predict that WNBF News will cover all the new developments in this Chick-fil-A controversy because we need the clicks. That's right. Have a good holiday. All man. right. Thanks. At least we're honest. Chick-fil-A. Why did the Chick-fil-A cross the road? Because we needed the clicks. 1117 at WNBF. Everybody loves Chick-fil-A stories. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's James from Binghamton. How are you? Oh, I'm just being brutally honest. I'm sure there'll be Merry a... Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> I, yeah, I might have missed the end of that, muting the uh, stream here on the desk. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did not... I am not calling to talk about Chick-fil-A, but since he brought it up, I mean, to me, it's hilarious. There's no more a New York story than that. It's like, we all want Chick-fil-A. Everybody wants a Chick-fil-A in New York. And then it's like, hey, everybody, we got to Chick-fil-A. They're the anchor restaurant at the new at the new rest stops. And but wait, aren't they closed on Sunday? Like, I, 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 you know, I feel like somebody had to have known that going into it. But, you know. Hey, whatever. whatever. I mean, you know, the, the way I look at it. Oh, you by, know. And by the way, yes, I'm sure they're in, I know they're not. It looks like they're not publicly traded, but I'm sure they're in their in, internal investors. And and bank and, and banks that lend them capital. Well, the uh, Cath- the, the, that the Cathay family profit. that I think has become, and <laughs> I don't know for sure. I'm going to go out on a limb and <laughs> say that the founding family of the Chick Fil A empire. I will go out on a limb and say they're billionaires because of their delicious chicken sandwich. Um, hey, they're they're entitled if they want to run well, their. No, no, if, to their to their credit. To their credit, they have a reputation for great customer service, and yeah, that definitely is reflected in the fact that even the person sweeping the floors there knows they're getting at least one day on the weekend off if they work. Oh, I agree. No, I I mean, in terms of treating well, in terms of treating workers right, I say all businesses should be open only Monday through Friday, including this radio station. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, you know, you sign, we signed the radio station on at 6 a.m. Monday, and we sign it off at 6 p.m. Friday, and that way it's fair to the employees and to our listeners. Yes. Remember when the, remember, remember when stations would go on the air, and then you'd have like, the the Star Spangled Banner with like an eagle and like Mount Rushmore and a flag or something, and that, well first you'd have the bars and tone, and then you'd have the wake up at like 5:30 or whatever it was for the broadcast day and it'd be like welcome to today from whatever station and you know and then late at night they do the same thing i don't mm-hmm. know if you remember my favorite you know, of yeah. course i remember my favorite was when yeah. bob buchanan 
was uh, mm. had had recorded the the sign-ons and sign-offs for uh, what was then WNBF TV and extolling the yeah, virtues of uh, extolling the virtues of Susquehanna Country. And it, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Susquehanna Country is fine as new. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and somehow, you know, nobody ever told me when Channel 12 decided to drop Susquehanna Country. I mean, what was so wrong with that? Uh, well, no, well, we were, okay, if we're really, okay, I really have a real topic to talk about. Well, then, okay, yeah. move on, yes. That's, we're going to do this. No, let's do not. This, we need to bring back the old, you brought up the old action news. We need the old, like, dun 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 Well, yes, we need, I mean, and by the way, my understanding is one of the um, stations in uh, the empire that currently is, uh, the owner of of Channel Twelve. What are they? Uh, I can't. What is their name? Happy Broadcast. I can't remember the name of the company. Um, happy Happy Media. I mean, obviously they can't call themselves TV. What is it? Um, it's not Granite. It's not. Uh, it's not Gateway. What What do they call themselves? They put it. Uh, you would think uh, I would know because they put it on the end of every newscast. Um, happy. Yeah, you're, you're, you're putting. Oh, gray, gray yeah, media I, I group. I seldom watch any television. No, gray <laughs> media group. Well, they just recently okay. refreshed their their graphics, so it's now more of uh, the the graphics. You know, the Chiron, the stuff you see on the screen. Mm. They just recently um, uh, went to a new thing, so they're more in line with the other gray media stations around the USA. And then they also rebranded their weather. Now it sounds more okay. like a smoke alarm than anything else. First alert weather. Doesn't that sound like oh, a smoke oh, alarm? No. <laughs> like first alert. Yeah. Be a beautiful day. <laughs> and now and now if there's bad weather, now if there's yeah. bad weather, it's a first alert weather day. <laughs> hey, actually I'm looking up. First alert smoke alarms. Did they did they contact maybe Oh, maybe now the weather is sponsored by the smoke alarm company. So they have first I, I, alert weather. I think the moment I checked out was when I realized, like, 25 years ago, must have been, maybe I, maybe it was Fox News that was on or whatever, and I realized, wait a minute, there's just breaking news all day, every day, because there has to be. I get it. Okay. Well, and remember, <laughs> at Fox News, they don't call it breaking news. It's a Fox News alert because the world needs more alerts. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When Drudge pushed that big, like, like siren on the top, you know stuff's getting real. You know. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. So I called because that was a great interview you had uh, last hour. I'm guessing that given the how quickly the story on Anne's route happened, that you didn't just uh, your your booking agent didn't put that interview together just like between then and now. If it was in studio, uh, and I know you didn't touch on the topic that much with the in the interviews, but you know. As great a news as it as it is to hear that this is happening, you know, I kind of had the because it's Binghamton. I kind of had the same natural reaction that I think it sounds like uh, uh, the ubiquitous John from Binghamton uh, had, which is like, okay, great, but now now what? You know, and I'm looking at, on the website. Uh, this is WBNG, so let's credit them. The mayor said the following transferred properties will be demolished, rehabilitated, or sold. And I'm going down the list. And I'm looking on the list on the map, and man, a lot of these are right right on Henry Street, and 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 they're not like insignificant pieces of real estate. So I guess my natural question after all this is like, 
to whom and for what, you know, and, and I'm oh, guessing, hey, yeah, and stay I'm tuned. If we got off the air and I'm guessing if we got off the air, uh, we could play a game of reckless speculation and come up with about three to four names pretty quickly who, <laughs> who think Christmas just came early, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, and remember those, if I'm not mistaken, those properties that you just pointed out those are in the mm. lucrative yes. stadium districts which uh, it's going to be beautiful there's going to be lights across the street it's going to look like that parade in the godfather 2 you know with the lights and in the promenade and you know people hang out the windows throwing like laurels and ticker tape and uh, as the champion rumble ponies uh you know uh, lumber home well, uh, yeah yeah so let's see one two three four were five, six, it looks like about eight are on Henry Street. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure if all eight of those properties, I'm under the impression most of those properties are in no, the I'm emerging stadium that, district. I'm not going to say that, that because it's obvious, if those of you who know the history of these properties, like pretty much anything is would be an impro- a moss garden, would be an improvement over some of what was there. Heck, a radio well, station. Really- a radio station oh, would hey. be an improvement. You could build like a model Marconi tower to, you know, broadcast there. And you're like, oh, you like this? You go walk across the street, see the real one. Um, actually, that's a good idea. We could get you on trucks on the tracks that time, like sitting at a, at a at a desk, like right under the Marconi tower, as if you're broadcasting from it. Uh, but no. So my question is, like, to the incoming city council, okay, is is affordable housing, and to the mayor especially, is affordable housing uh, is 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 ma- managing our human services better? Um, a priority. So like what's happening with these properties? And I get some of them are going to go to some snazzy redevelopment. They probably should. But, um, you know, we we keep putting ourselves in a tighter box the more times we knock down properties that at least provide a roof somewhere. So like what's going to happen? That's my question. And that's what I hope you ask uh, the mayor and a lot of the resident of the members of the incoming city council a lot of uh, in the coming months. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all how uh, all of this develops at those properties. Plus, as Mayor Cram pointed out, there are some other properties that Mr. Anzarut or entities linked to him uh, still own. Well, I don't know if they actually own them because a lot of those properties already were transitioned to other owners like Masonic Temple and I think uh, 95 Court Street, those are two uh, very big buildings and and buildings that are still in, in great shape and would lend themselves to good potential uses for the right people. But the question always is, who are those right people? And especially when it comes to Masonic Temple, who is going to line up? the necessary state grants or other financing. Yeah, I'm going to say federal grant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, That's so are, are we going to, uh, does that mean I have to cozy up to Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand and be nice to them for the next 12 months? So Binghamton could be considered for like a $5 million federal appropriation to redevelop Masonic? I mean, probably. I mean, I could do it. I'm a well, good actor. Like, you'd like it to be for some type of like, you know, uh, affordable housing and, and, and even, even, uh, uh, you know, human services based housing that, that there are models that have offices and, 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 and ways to serve like on site with mixed housing with business professional like qualifying housing. You know, there's a lot of models to choose from and ways to move forward with it. But as far as I'm concerned, the number one priority is 
finding housing for the residents of the city and, and the greater Binghamton area at large, you know? As well as immigrants coming to the city from and, yeah, Texas. And, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it, this is a, this is a, uh, um, crossroads town, regardless of the mode of travel or the time. And it's always going to be that. So, uh, you know, you can either like react to that and, and prepare for it. Or, uh, you know, you can deliver a nice gift wrap package to your, your buddies who grease the skids. I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> you sound really cynical for the holiday season. No, not at all. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> Thanks. Wait, that's what I'm supposed to do. By the way, oh, okay, uh, sure. speaking of Masonic Temple, when Jared Cram was on uh, two weeks ago, we did touch briefly on the future of Masonic Temple. And mm-hmm. Mayor Cram, and I had talked with him a couple of times off the air about this as well. He still sounds what I would describe as cautiously optimistic about the future of that property at 64 Main Street, just a little bit west of the high school, because it is in the building itself is in solid shape. That building, unless something untoward happens, that building is going to outlast all of us. Now, the question is, when all of us are finally no longer reporting in Binghamton, will it be back in use? It could be. Yeah. And and the mayor is cautiously optimistic in, in his outlook for that in the hands of the right developer. And he didn't say this uh, specifically, although maybe he alluded to it. I, I know I have thought somebody like Matthew Paulus from Syracuse, who demonstrated what could be done at the Ansco Camera Factory on Emma Street and also with the uh, Victory Building in Johnson City and the other building that he is planning to redevelop in Johnson City. He, for one, has proven that you can do it. But, and, and the naysayers would say, yeah, but he doesn't do it with all of his own money? No, of course not. Nobody's going to no, do it with not. all their own Especially money. Especially when you got a house, like, it is not profitable for many people to try to upgrade an old house and take out old lead pipes and, sure. and, and paint and asbestos. And like and then in some cases, it's more expensive to knock the property down and rebuild it than to just gut it and refinish it. These are practical solutions that require, or problems that require, like, pragmatic solutions. I, I am not so cynical as to be all, like, you know, of course, I want to see everything redeveloped nicely. I guess what I'm saying is, I, I hope that this isn't the last we hear about it until we see a ribbon cutting with some developer we didn't know about. I, I expect with this new city council, uh, I, I expect you know public transparency and oversight and, and the ability for us to really have an idea of what what the city is planning to do if it decides to be this aggressive moving forward in in unblighting certain situations. How about and, this? And out I just had a daydream about the announcement. Say. Um in about a year and a half, there's an announcement on Henry Street near the stadium. And the new developer for several parcels on Henry Street that currently are owned by the city of Binghamton is someone we've never heard from before named Baron Trump. Oh, okay. that's I wonder if we'll need a Crabble show up. <laughs> well, that, that would be nice, too. We could have... Yeah, so finally one, the vision. My vision is complete. Yes, Yes, and we could have Juanita Crab, Richard Bucci, Richard David, Matthew Ryan, uh, uh, Jared uh, Cram. Uh, uh, who is the judge who is speeding through, or what's her name from don't. TV, the one you always like to... Hey, like to, don't you do that. Are you trying Are you trying to upset the sensitive viewers? No. Uh, no I just no, call no, her no. 119. Oh, 
If if Fox <laughs> News gave jerseys out to their their cable news stars, her jersey number would be one nineteen. Where could you possibly go that that I mean big big flats <laughs> I, in that area? I can't think. Well, of you look you at the condition of of Route Seventeen well, in Tioga County. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, for most of us, mere mortals who are driving cars that aren't built as well as a Cadillac Escalade, most of us, if we drove at that speed, the car would come flying apart. Or the the tire. She must have had she must have had some really good wheels on that. You know, Michelin Ultra Supremes or something. You know, well, she would four thousand dollars a, a wheel. But here, by the way, she would have gotten cheaper gas anywhere but here uh, because I got to corroborate, man. I do a lot of driving in Albany. The, New York City and all around the Northeast, and and, and I'm, we're not pointing any elbows or naming any names here, uh, but you know, uh, there there is a consistency amongst a certain branded uh, <laughs> top of gas. Oh, I don't even know region. what. Oh, please, well, I, it's got to be at least twenty twenty to twenty five cents. They're soaking us for more than when you get two hours in either direction. And I don't mean even two hours closer to where the refineries are in Jersey. I mean, as people have noted, Syracuse, Albany, wherever. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, they've, they've got some nice little convenience stores, but they, they certainly seem to be putting the squeeze on the on the petrol. Yeah. I think it's because I think they've, they've made a, a decision. They know what we can afford to pay. That's my opinion. Anyway, appreciate your call. Hope you have a, a great holiday. Christmas, have a good one. Thank you. It's 1133. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. We still have time for a couple more calls, so if if you have something you think you'd like to say, I think you should call. 607-772-1290. The program is called Binghamton Now. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, hey, listen, before I begin, I just want to say right now, I want to wish you a a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Sometimes I don't know how these things are going to end, so I wanted to put that right out front. Thank you. And um, I I, got to have a shout out. You know, I I didn't hear these last couple days. I'm not able to pick up the beginning of the program and the callers that call in, but I do. I like to listen to what people have to say and this and that. And when I got home uh, last night, I listened to the beginning, and I heard Ron on there speak. And I just, I just got to put a shout-out to say, thank you, Ron. I hope you're still listening. Thank you very much for addressing an issue that some people maybe thought would just go away. And I can't remember the word. My word is deplorable. Okay, I'm a little bit more of an attack dog. And, you know, you, you, you said it gracefully about responsibility of callers that call in. And, and Bob, you even, he gave you an idea and you used it. And, and I thought it was great because you heard another caller call in. I think a Joan from Binghamton, maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember. But she said, thank God. 
She said she was so happy that she couldn't even talk, that this has been going on too long with this abuse that our hosts, un- un- unnecessary, no substance at all. And I just want to thank you. Thank you. I don't even know you. Our political views might be the same and probably they won't agree. But thank you very much for addressing something I've been talking about for months, months, that some of the times in life, these issues, you can't just ignore it and hope it'll go away. You have to attack because that stuff grows and people become used to it. And then it's normalized and it's not right. Well, and it was to be 100 percent clear, it was starting to get tired i mean the concept maybe the first one or two thousand times maybe maybe it was rel- semi-relevant and somewhat understandable but at, at some point you know it gets so predictable as to be i think boring even to those who agree with those assessments it, it, absolutely and then what happens is now it gets its crowd. Now it's not, there's no substance. It's just some stinking entertainment. Oh, you know, I get a kick out of that guy. And it's like. Yeah, well, actually, I think it, it just occurred to me what it was devolving into before Ron saved us all. It was turning into sort of the radio version of world wrestling. Yes. And what you hear at the, uh, noon. Yeah. From noon until the. Yeah. And we don't need that. I mean, we have we have plenty of that. So appreciate your call. I hope you have a, a, a great weekend. Enjoy your holidays. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Linda from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Great. Okay. It's because it's a Friday. I just wanted to call and tell you I really agree with you about uh, things being closed on the weekend. A while ago when I was growing up, or actually when I was working full time, I'm retired now, but I was thinking, gosh, too bad we didn't have Sundays off and that we could have more family time. I think it would be great for energy as far as the stores not being able to be lit up, you know, seven days a week, 24-7. Yes, we need our emergency services like the hospitals, uh, prescriptions. But all in all, I think it would be great uh, for family time to have one day a week that the stores were closed. Yeah, even rotate it. Even is say if you know sometimes it could be Sunday, sometimes Saturday, sometimes just for the heck of it Wednesdays. I mean, announce it far enough in advance so people could plan, and then uh, that way, that way, you know, everyone would be happy. Would have nothing to do with your religion. It would just have everything to do with uh, being able to give everyone a break. I appreciate the uh, the call. Okay. One other thing I was going to mention quickly is on city council or, or any. Uh, public entity like that or governmental entity, I think that balance is important. And I think, that, you know, it's better for the economy and better for all around uh, decision making if we have a balance. That's just my opinion. I appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. 1141, this is the balanced radio program with the most reasonable host available on American radio. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF.
WNBF. Tom from Susquehanna. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, listen, I just want to call up and let you know with this new program, whatever you, you're running here, uh, I'm not going to call up ever again. All right? I like the way the show was. If people don't like it, they don't, they don't answer. They don't have to listen to it. But to restrict us and do it, I mean, if I wanted smooth talk and all that, I'll join a sewing club, okay? So that's where I stand on it. Uh, we had a good run, Bobby. I thought you were a good, I, we really did. Okay. Well, thank you for your call, and uh, Happy New Year. I'll miss you. And a Happy New Year, okay? Thank you. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? <laughs> Hey, Bob, this is uh, DJ in Binghamton. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, hey, what did uh, Tom just say about a new program? I didn't catch it. I, I was distracted. What's on your mind? He said something about you running a new program and he's not yeah. going to... Why did you call? What, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I heard um, Vinny say that you and him believe alike politically. <laughs> And I laughed so hard, I could hardly stop laughing. Well, he's entitled to his opinion. So, yeah. all right. Well, uh, any anything about the news of the day? Any any topicality? Uh, yeah. Are you guys going to be on next? When are you going to come back on? Because you're not going to be on obviously Monday, right? When are you coming back on the air? Uh, stay tuned. Stay what? tuned. We'll we'll have an announcement uh, when I return to the air. We'll make an official announcement. On the station. This is Bob Joseph, live and local. An intriguing Friday program with mystery and more questions to be answered in the days ahead at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF. Binghamton now. I'm Bob Joseph. Bob and Vestal, you're on the air. Stones or Beatles? Stones. You too? Yeah. Why? You're, oh you're Beatles? God. Eric Bowie on Newsmax. I'm about ready to fly down here and grab him by the collar. 
He had Kid Rock on the other night. Kid Rock agreed with him. I think Mick Jagger is a disgrace dancing around like the Beatles' voices. You cannot match that. I don't understand. People. Well, I just did it to get a rise out of you. I, That's because not I, really why I called him. <laughs> I, I just got in my truck to come back from Appalachian, and you know who was on. And I think people are discussing me. No, we're not discussing you, but what what I want to know, because we only have a, a few seconds left, I mean, really, a precious few seconds, so let's just, for a moment, let's look back on on the year and what you're thankful for uh, over the past year. I, I know, obviously, we've talked a lot over the year, but what are you most thankful for over the last 12 months? That I'm still kicking at 69, I'll be 70 in February, yeah. so and, still... And what are you most looking forward to in 2024 besides continuing to be alive and kicking and, and being able to enjoy what you enjoy? Anything specific in, in the coming year? Yeah, people would open their eyes a little bit more and start looking at both sides of the equation. That's what you don't understand. People like me and Rob from Port Crane and Dave from Boston, it really hurts us to hear one side of an issue and people then cutting us down for telling us how we feel and then being called irrational. I am not irrational. You ask anybody that knows me, I'll help anybody. They need money, I'll lend it to them. Give them a ride somewhere, anything they need. I'm a nice person, and it just feels like people, because I don't agree with that liberal agenda, I'm a bad guy, and I'm... Well, I know you're not a bad guy. Hey, that's all the time we have. I wish you... A Merry Christmas and a happy, healthy 2024. Okay? You too, man. Thanks. And I wish that for each and every person. Those who are just listening, those who've called, all of our guests this year. It's been a great year. I love it. I love it. And I'm looking forward to 2024. Enjoy your holidays. And be happy. Keep listening to News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph.
Yes. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF.